0: you saw the very best players the entire country has to offer, and you saw it throughout the course of the weekend. He's growing. He's improving at such a rapid rate. He, he's going to be a very good player. This guy's a cross between Sean Marion and Lamar Odom. He's a six-foot-eight lefty, a high-level athlete but also got a little bit of point-forward skills in him as he can handle and pass the ball extremely well. At this point, they are simply the standard by which everyone else is judged in prep school basketball. He's considering the likes of Michigan, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas. Welcome to the latest episode of the Upside Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Finkelstein, and on this episode, we have new Boston College head coach, Earl Grant with us, and Coach, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Adam. So, Coach, I know uh, I know you're somewhat new to the region. This is this is my region. I've been here the uh, you know my whole life. So, what has the last uh, thirty plus days been like as, as you've adjusted to Boston, which is is really the capital of New England? I
1: mean, it's been amazing.
0: Um, you know, one of the things that, that's been
1: interesting though is. Everybody talked to me about how cold it get up here. <laughs> <laughs> you to me about how hot it got up here. Yeah, you know, right. it's been hot. You know it's some good southern weather. Uh, yeah, yeah. Four seasons up here and no, all, but it's been great. I mean, just, you know, Boston's an unbelievable place. Uh, certainly, BC itself is a great program. Uh, high academics, you know, guys can really achieve anything they want here. Anything's possible here. You know, we – you know, we got a lot of NBA players, uh, you know, still playing. Reggie Jackson's starting for the Clippers, and Delhi's finishing his career with uh, the Lakers. And so, uh, you know, anything's possible. And big-time city. Uh, yep. and it's a winning program. You know, it's a lot of history here. I don't know if there's too many programs can say they got an ACC championship and a Big East championship. You know, it's rich history here, and I'm just excited to be a part of this program and have the opportunity to build. Right. Coach, what
0: was the, the path like? from Charleston to Boston College because you were not a guy who had had experience in this region before. And it's no secret that when, you know, the announcement was made, people, people weren't necessarily expecting uh, expecting you to be making this move, not because of your win-loss record, which had been exceptional at Charleston, but because you were a new name to the region. So what was, what was that path like and what was it about Boston College that appealed to you?
1: yeah i mean obviously uh you know when you've been a head coach for seven years uh really enjoyed my time at college of charleston uh, we built that program up hadn't been to the ncaa in 20 years uh, when i got here i took over in september and we were able to you know get back to the ncaa tournament got to the nit uh, we had three nba players uh, we graduated 13 out of 14 so there were good things happening and there were other opportunities to leave right, seven years uh which I never felt, you know, inclined to leave, and I loved where I was, and I didn't feel like some of the programs that were uh, possibilities for me and my family were the right time or the right fit. You know, um, know, obviously when Boston College came about, you know, the energy that Pat Craft, you know, exhibited to me uh, in the interview process, as well as Father Leahy here, uh, the president for 25 years, Uh, the energy they displayed to me and what they were looking for as it pertains to somebody that can find uh, individual players that come in that fit B.C., that can compete academically, that can compete in the ACC. Uh, And they wanted a coach that can, you know, have a transformative program. Meaning, for me, the most important thing is the man that I bring into the program and how do I develop him, me and my staff? How do we develop the man? How do we him a better person? And How do we put him in a position where when he leaves us in four years, He's ready for this world that he's going out into. So that's number one for us. I felt like, you know, like we could grow, I could grow in my faith uh, here at Boston College. Uh, you know, being a Jesuit school where they don't shy away from faith and, and growing your faith, uh, that's a fit for me and my family. And so hopefully I can have guys that want to grow as people uh, and, and want to compete in the ACC. So there's a lot of things that attracted me to Boston College. Having coaching in the uh, ACC before at Clemson, you know, seeing the type of player we need to to compete, to be in the top half of the league, to uh, you know get that large bid, to you know make a NIT Final Four run, like I saw the player that we needed, and so I felt like Boston College presented a great opportunity, uh, and the history was just so good. I mean, just how much winning they had, you know, uh, with with Al Skinner and and Jim O'Brien. I thought it was a great opportunity, uh, thought Donahue and Christian, you know, has some some good years in there. Uh, so I think it's a great foundation for me to build. Absolutely.
0: Now, New England is a, is a unique place in a lot of different ways. And I know you've, you've, uh, you've probably started to uh, get an appreciation for that since you've arrived. Uh, there is a very opinionated fan base. There is a very outspoken, uh, local media presence. And the grassroots climate is, is political um, from a basketball perspective. So all of those different things are, are things that, from my perspective, someone coming in from outside of the region, you, you've got to try to, to navigate and adapt to as quickly as possible. And, and not, this isn't unique to you. Anytime there's been a, a new coach coming into the region, I always think, like, geez, there's a lot of landmines here for them to, them to, have, to have to sidestep. Um, what has been, you know, as you look at some of those challenges, let, I want to start with the, the, the media side, there was, there was people saying, Oh, he's got to put together a good staff. He's got to get local connections. That, that seemed to be something that you embraced right off the bat, having a couple, couple of guys join you who have very strong local reputation and ties. So was that something, something you were aware of from the, from the beginning?
1: Well, I mean, there's a couple of things to it. Um, It's the second time in my career that I've left my region, meaning Mm -hmm. my my region has been, you know, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina. You know, that's been my region. And Mm -hmm. uh, I had to get out of my conference zone when I left my region to go to the Midwest, going out to Wichita State. Mm -hmm. I had to get uncomfortable. I had to go to Texas. I had to go to Vegas. I had to go to L.A. to recruit. I had to go to Arkansas. Fell in Mm -hmm. love kids fell in love with Texas kids you know Boston College our biggest number in our enrollment are from Texas California so oh. you know, for me uh, I was very excited about coming out of the region I think being in the CAA for seven years coming up uh, every year to play against Northeastern and Hofstra you know made me have a better right. appreciation for this area because what I figured pretty quickly uh, in the CAA I always love coming to Boston mm. and it was my favorite trip it was my hardest trip but it mm-hmm. was a trip and so i think you know as it pertains to media media is media right? uh they have no reason to uh believe in me you know i am out of the region and uh, and they don't owe me any favors and and obviously the coaches here they're people it's all about relationships mm-hmm. so uh they're already awesome relationships established from just being in the profession for 20 years with coaches in the NEPSAC. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, they're people, we got to recruit them. Uh, we got to treat them right. We got to take care of their players when we get them. We got to recruit with disappointment, knowing that we're not going to get everybody. Uh, and we got to find toughness. There's, there's a, there's a guy that really want to be at BC mm. and can really be successful here. And the opportunity right now is unbelievable. You know, ACC, the city of Boston, the academics, new facility being opened up, $40 million practice facility coming up. It's a new era. Like, I mean, it's pretty good. You know, I got, yeah, these, yeah. I got three sons, 14, 13, and 10. And I, I just know for me, when it comes down to these programs, okay, who who are the people you put your children around? Who are the coaches? What are they, what are they teaching? How are they developing these guys? And You know, so, I
0: mean, I think it's a great time for a young man to come to Boston College. Now, talk to me about, the opportunity, what is it that you were looking for? What are the things that you were going to prioritize? Because before we went on the air, you, you mentioned how evaluating was going to be a really important job uh, for you and your staff, but talk to me about what specifically uh, you guys are going to prioritize in that evaluation process. Well, I mean, I want to, I want to find uh young men that
1: um, part of something that's bigger than themselves. Um, uh, that they want to be a part of winning program you know and they want to build they get excited about having an opportunity to leave footprints in the sand and leaving a legacy uh this is an opportunity for us in this era to do that um the time is right so i want kids that are coming from winning programs kids that are have a chip on their shoulder and to be honest with you um you know a talented guy that maybe is a little bit underappreciated and has got a chip on his shoulder i mean i think that's important Here, I think a lot of players that have played here, they fit that mold. Going all the way back to Dana Barrows, who, you know, uh, he was about to play football in college. And then last minute, Boston College offered him a scholarship. You know, I think guys like Jared Delly, you know, he signed with Boston College in August from California. You know, so, uh, you know, Troy Bell was Big East player of the year. He came from Minnesota. You know, he signed late. So I just think that uh, all of those guys were underappreciated. You know, Reggie Jackson, Jerome Robinson, so we have to evaluate. We have to find a player that's good enough to play in the ACC that would love to be here. That like it would, they would be so appreciative of this opportunity, and they want to be a part of our program. They want to be a part of this community, BC Nation, that's so rich in history, um, and and and, build. and So I think that's the most important thing we got to do. I like toughness, you know. Um, I like guys that are tough. I mean, sometimes you can't out talent a team, but you still can out a tough a team. You know, you still work working team. So I think we gotta find workers. And um, you know, if you really had to ask me if we had if we got four scholarships, give me two hard and two soft, you know. The two hard is the 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 automatic guy that you know, that's the worker, that's the grimy, gritty guy. The the soft, he maybe don't want to do all that grimy gritty stuff, but you know, you look up and he got five threes he just made. So, you know, he's a talented guy. So we just gotta find him. And uh, we've been able to find him wherever I've been, whether it be Wichita Clemson or uh, College of Charleston. We have NBA players at all of those places. We have first team all-conference guys at all of those places. So I would imagine we can do it here.
0: All right. Two follow-up questions along those lines, Coach. You mentioned, in a couple things I didn't know there about the the uh, college's applicant pool from from Texas and California, as well as your own roots. Do you have a plan for what your your personal recruiting pipeline will look like from a geographic standpoint? Obviously, you've you got to get some inroads in New England, but you, you're not going to I'm sure be able to build the whole roster locally here. So, so what parts of the country are you going to target number one? And then after, after that, I want to ask you about player development because I know you would uh, you've mentioned, you know, guys in all your previous stops. So, but first, in terms of the recruiting geography, is that something that you guys have, have strategized yet? Yeah. Two things I'll say about that is one, um,
1: and I'll just mention college at Charleston just to give you a reference. And, and Wichita State. When we were at Wichita State, the majority of our roster was from the south. Mm. Or Texas. Mm-hmm. Now, at College of Charleston, we had guys from Texas. Houston, we had guys from Arkansas. So mm-hmm. our roster never was built with all kids in our region. You had the, right. usual, uh, you know, relationship currency. Now, I think it's important that we do have players from this region. That's the one thing I think is very important. So I'm going to try extremely hard to get these young men within the three, four-hour radius, the NEPSAC, you know, Connecticut, uh, Maine, Boston, all across Massachusetts, uh, New Hampshire, whatever there's a player in this region and there's a player that fits us, I'm going to try to recruit them. Right. And I'm going to recruit with disappointment because, again, right now some guys aren't going to come. And to be honest with you, they haven't. a lot of them have not came in the past. But there have the guys who did come, they were special, and they had a lot to do with building the programs that had success. So I'm always going to pay attention to the players that are around my campus. I think that's so important because there is a kid out there that would love to be at Boston College. So I think that's very important, even for the fans. You know, I mean, if you got a kid from Connecticut or Boston, or you know, the Napsack that's in this region that's living in this region. his family can get to campus. You know, his yeah. people from his high school can get here. His AAU coaches can get here. We can develop those relationships. And because, I, again, I believe anything's possible. You know, you can become or you can go to medical school when you graduate from here. You can go to law school. You can, be a, uh, you can get great jobs. Uh, everything is possible. If we can show that we we can take care of some of these kids in this region, then maybe that next kid
0: will come because of how we took in care of the, the kid prior to him. Yeah, sure. And that that really is the the lineage of of Boston College. It's the highest level uh, athletics along with the highest level academics. I mean, that's that's at least on the exterior. That that was the way the program was viewed, uh, you know, when I was when I was growing up in the region. Um, As I mentioned, I want to ask you about player development because you've had pros at every stop and uh, very few of them, them were considered, you know, on that track when you got them. So are there specific um, pillars of your player development program or, or what do you attribute the the growth that we've seen from so many of your guys over the years? Yeah, it's, it starts with the
1: evaluation. You know, uh, we find that talented guy that maybe is a little bit undersized. Uh, so depending on where, you, where different places I've been, it's, it's always was a certain niche, whereas at Clemson, the niche was the 6'6 six, six tweener that nobody was big enough to play the four and he wasn't skilled enough to play the three. But he could rebound at 12 feet. Mm -hmm. Um, And he he played hard and he had energy and he had verve, vigor, and vitality. He had life, you know. And so, and we get those guys and, you know, they gain 15 pounds and you work with them with their ball handling and shooting, which we always can help. Can't help the guy rebound at 12 feet, but you can help Mm -hmm. a better ball handler and shooter and understanding the game from an IQ standpoint. So, So at Clemson, it was the tweener. You know, at uh, Wichita State, it was the tough. It was the toughness. You know, finding tough guys, as well as finding um, you know a little bit of underappreciated guys. It's a lot of different players came through Wichita State. Um, you know, when I was leaving out, Van Fleet was coming in. You know, and so you know that's a five eleven point guard. And so um, you know, at College of Charleston, it was you know we wanted passionate guys and we wanted gym rats. And we were trying to revive the program with just life and, and, and passion, and guys who love to be in the gym. So we try to change the culture that way. Uh, and you know, first recruiting class, we bring in Jarrell Brantley and Grant Riller. And both guys get drafted. So. Uh, and
0: Grant Riller, I, I heard a story about how you fell in love with them when you were you were at Clemson. Is that is that true? I'm... Yeah, yeah, very
1: interesting. You know, we was down in uh, Kansas City at the, I think it was the Sunflower Classic. It was the, okay. like, It was the last tournament of the month. And you know, a lot of times you go in the office and you talk about where you're going to go and you try to figure out each assistant right. where the trip's going to be. So uh, Brad Brunel said, "Hey, look, somebody's got to go down to uh, Kansas City. We got a couple kids down there." And so everybody raised their hands. Said, I'm going to go to Vegas. I'm going to go to Orlando. And I said, "Well, I'll, I'll go down to Kansas City for the last day and a half. You know, I'll take a red eye, get in there, go for the last day and a half." And I went to see Kerry Blackshear. Okay. And we were recruiting him, and I remember like yesterday, Gorilla got down with a game, and he goes outside. You know, the gym's cold. There's no reception on your phone, so he goes outside and sit down. And and I said this to him: you know, wasn't wasn't no violation, wasn't no bump, but I just said to him, "Hey man, you know I really appreciate how you play. You're gonna make somebody a great point guard. If we needed a point guard, man, we would be all over you at Clemson. And that was in." July. I got hired at College of Charleston two months later in September. Wow. So when I got the job, it was the first call I made. I said, hey, man, you remember me?
0: And the uh, <laughs> rest was just. So, so do you you have anybody that you, you called in the last 30 days and said, hey, hey man, you remember me? Is that we got another one of those lined up?
1: I got a couple of things working. <laughs> out. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, it'll all come through. I mean, we just got done with our 2021 class. We were assigned, you know, seven guys and uh, all guys that we really wanted and needed. So I uh, spent a lot of time there. So I've been patient with 2022 because I really want to see some of these guys. And some of them we haven't been able to see because the process is speeding up. The guys are taking official visits here in June and, and guys are making decisions. So, uh, you know, because we jumped into the party late on a few guys, we missed a few. And now we got to we got to adapt to the to the New process of these guys speeding everything up, so uh, it's a little bit uncomfortable because I would like to be able to watch them play, not only watch them play to make a good decision for me in Boston College, but watch them and, and, and watch them play to make a decision for them in their career because it was two thousand transfers out there, and so you know, the evaluation process ain't just for me. Like, whether I offer your kid or not offer your kid, that ain't just for me. I want to make a good decision for your kid if I'm recruiting your kid as well. And, again, when you have three sons, you look at it a little bit different. You know, if you offer a kid, you had not seen them, and that's like somebody offered my kid who had not seen my kid, I'm going to feel kind of weird about that, knowing what right. I know about the profession, knowing what I know about the profession and how many kids have transferred over the last two years. So, you know, me really – the desire for me to evaluate and be a little more patient the process that's not just for me in Boston College, that's for young men. My honesty to that young man and his mom and dad about, hey, look, if I say I'm offering you, this is like a really uh, offer that I'm gonna commit to, and you know, I struggle with it a little bit because I want to be committed. I want to be have committable offers as it pertains to about offer you. You can commit right away, and there's no question about whether or not you have that that opportunity
0: and that is not necessarily the culture up here. You know, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but when we talk about the, the the grassroots landscape and the way that the way that the offers have kind of evolved and the way that a lot of coaches kind of view offers. Um, so I, it's, it's, uh, you know, the, I, I commend you for having that attitude and, and I, I'm sure it's being able to communicate that to those the people in the grassroots space, I'm sure has been, a challenge, but an important first step, I would think, in establishing kind of, um, you know, how you're going to carry yourself in in the region.
1: No, absolutely. And again, some
0: of it is, it's about relationships and it's about honesty, you know. Uh,
1: Maybe a year or six months or eight months, guys won't like the fact that we're being extremely honest. But I think in a matter of a couple years, Maybe they can respect the idea that, you know, we say something, we back it up. Mm. Um, so, you know, for me, it's always going to be about speaking the truth and being honest and, and doing right by people, um, you know, and, and let your word be your bond, you know. And so as it pertains to these young men now, it's a little different. I have offered some guys and I had to be more like an NBA, NBA front office guy where you don't get to necessarily see the kid in person. It's almost like we're recruiting. We're recruiting kids right in our region, but it's like recruiting international kids. Meaning, you don't always get to see them in person.
0: So yeah,
1: you get to do watching the film. So we have done that, and we have you know offered some guys off film, uh, which is uncomfortable. But you know that's that's the that's the landscape where we're in right now with with everything that happened with COVID and the
0: pause, and not being able to go out. Coach, you, you, we've touched upon a lot of things here. You've talked about about your family, your recruiting philosophy, uh, the, the different geographic regions you've been in. If, if there are people listening, whether it's Boston, New England, or BC alumni from from uh, you know different parts of the the country or the globe, what would be something that you would want them to know about Earl Grant that maybe hasn't come up yet? Well, I mean, well, one is. I've won everywhere I've been.
1: Uh, That's number one. So we're going to win. I can't put a timetable on that, you know, because what I've discovered and going to these different places uh, and being day one with different head coaches on jobs and also being a day one head coach at College of Charleston and seeing the process of what you go through. um, You know, there's some things you got to do over the first couple of years, but uh, um, I've never seen – that process or, or the formula we've had, the places I've been, fail. And so I'm pretty confident in, in, in our system. I'm pretty confident in our blueprint. Um, you know, we've got to get the young men, the right young men, to come to BC and trust us and take a chance on us that, you know, they believe in what we, some of the same things we believe in. Uh, and once we do that, which it takes the first two recruiting classes that are critical. Um, you know, because those two first two recruiting classes, they're gonna be about five to eight kids that they're gonna turn the program around. So uh, that's why the evaluation process is so important, and mm-hmm. that you can't you can't get that back. You got thirteen scholarships, all of them are important, and um, and so you know. But for me, you know, I'm gonna wake up every day and day, I'm gonna roll my sleeves up. I mean, if you're looking at if you're talking about BC Nation, you know, they just need to know, hey, look, this Boston's a blue collar place, okay. Uh, it's, for, it's a fighter's place. It's for a worker. Uh, we're going to roll our sleeves up work, and work. We're going to try to find kids that believe in that same uh, thought process. And things how hard work works, and, and there's no substitution for how hard work. Uh, but be honest look people right in the eyes. You know, have a great level of uh, humility to you. Um, you know, we are who we are, and hopefully we can attract guys that
0: fit who we are. And once we do that, it's going to be a beautiful thing. The 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 vision is obviously uh, you you present the v- vision in a very compelling way there and I, I appreciate your time this morning here I know we're getting ready to finally get on the road and go recruiting but before I let you go I have, I have one more question I usually like to ask every coach or, or guest on the podcast about this a little bit different um, but it's about favorite books things that things that you like to read things and I, and I give I give people an audible too because you know feel free to. Say okay, I saw this documentary or this movie or, or this podcast. But things when you're not on the floor, when you're not watching film, when you're not recruiting, what is it that you're you're reading, watching, digesting uh, that's that's helping you helping you grow and continue to continue to learn? Yeah, I mean, you know, I read a lot of different books. I mean, the one I read the most is the Bible. Um,
1: I probably read the Bible the most. I mean, I there's a lot of good stories in there and a lot of different uh, lessons in terms of leadership. Um, you know, Jesus was the best leader, <laughs> you know, he had 12 disciples and so, and he led by serving them. You know, that leader, you know, that leader will wash your feet and, and, and be okay with that. Okay. And so, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, I do read the Bible. Um, I like to read like Real Madrid, like some of those uh, books about uh, good cultures, and, and wow. how people develop good culture. So I I, I I like to read those types of books. So I had a really good book I was reading on Real Madrid. Um Tall Blacks, you know, the rugby team over there. Yeah, yeah. New Zealand, right? New Zealand. So you know, it's their culture, you know, what they do. Uh and in all of those books, it's all about the selection process. Who do you let come into your program, coaches, players? Like who you bring into your program? So again it goes back to the valuation. Like we're talking about trying to build a culture. It's all about who you bring to your program. So, again, you have to you have to evaluate. You got to make sure. And so I like those type of books. Um, I have read. It was a unique book I read. I think it was Jonathan Nathaniel Seagull. Mm-hmm. It's about the seagull, and it was a book that Kobe Bryant recommended before he passed away, God bless the dead, about seagulls and how this one seagull separated from the pack of 15. And he didn't want to be like the regular seagulls, just going and looking for bread on the ground and fighting over. It. He wanted to start to learn how to do different tumbles and different dives. He wanted to be more. He wanted to be like that, that bird that dove down for the fish on his own. You see those guys be by themselves right. all the time. So it talks about separating yourself. If you're going to be different, uh, if you're going to be special, you know, you got to separate yourself. But it was a book about seagulls. You know, and uh, I do like some of John Gordon's books, you mm-hmm. know, and then I like uh probably one of my favorite books was the chop wood Carry water um you know that was a good book and you know I, I did like Image bus when I read that but then the auto yeah. the art of War you know I read that um I gotta go back and read it because sometimes I don't understand exactly what's going on in it you know it's like very uh tricky you got mm. to so, you know.
0: i I like to uh I like to try and get these books after i get a recommendation read up and I, I, the seagull one is particularly interesting especially if it was a, a kobe recommendation so i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, look into that and then hopefully if i see you on the road here in the next next six weeks we'll we'll uh we'll be able to catch up about the the seagull book coach uh, I know how busy this time is. I know your guys are getting back on campus. Uh, tomorrow is, is the first day we're going to be back on the road, or college coaches, Division One coaches, I, I should say. going to be back on the road recruiting in, in about 15 months. So I, I can't thank you enough for making, making the time today. And uh, it's very clear that there's, there's a path and a vision for how, how BC basketball is going to get back on the map. And we appreciate you taking the time to share it with us here today. Adam, thank you.
1: I appreciate it, man. I look forward to uh, seeing you out here on the road and seeing you here in Boston in the future.
0: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, everybody. That is new Boston College head coach Earl Grant. I'm Adam Finkelstein, and you've been listening to the Upside Podcast.